1: Hey, Anya, what did we watch?
0: Hey, Kevin. We watched Fire Island, an episode of The Naked City.
1: Ooh.
0: That uh. Aired... Tell, tell, us, tell us. Well, a... let me tell you when it aired, sir.
1: No one cares.
0: March 3rd, 1959.
1: Tell us about The Naked City. It sounds like a porno.
0: Well, it was a porno. Can't believe we're reviewing this. You're disgusting. <laughs> um. It's a show uh, that, uh, I guess, is is notable for being often shot on location in New York City, focusing on NYPD detectives. And it sort of has a gritty, down-to-earth look and feel as a result of that, um, as opposed to just being shot on the studio set in uh, L.A. And uh, you recommended it highly.
1: In fact, this episode, Fire Island starts with the producer coming on. And, and very, bragging. What does he say?
0: He's bragging. He's He comes on. He comes on like, you, got, you assholes think that we shot this in LA? Fuck you. We went out all the way to fucking Fire Island in sub-zero temperatures for you little pricks. Now watch the goddamn... <laughs> he was basically bragging about their like their budget. And being like, oh, we shoot on, on set. You know, we don't shoot on sets. We shoot on Fire Island during the winter. So... That was kind of odd, but very 1950s move. You, you, you seem
1: to kind of dig it. You like when the producer comes on and just starts boasting.
0: Yeah, just gets all smug.
1: <laughs> you like that a fella?
0: That's why I'm with you, baby.
1: <laughs> and then early on, uh the primary bad guy is played by veteran character actor Michael Conrad, who, of course, you know best is Sergeant Esther House from Hill Street Blues. Be careful
0: out there, Kevin.
1: <laughs> yes, for people who don't remember Hill Street Blues, Sergeant Esther House was the sergeant leading the roll call. leading the end of the roll call of the officers, he would enjoin them to please be careful out there and the credits would roll.
0: My uh, my uh, homeroom teacher in middle school in seventh grade always said that to us as we, <laughs> as we left homeroom. And he'd be like, if anyone can guess what that's from, you get, I guess, the prize of pride. But I never bothered to look it up. And then years later, I heard it again. And I was like, "Oh, that was what—that's what that guy was saying."
1: <laughs> so you never saw Hill Street Blues? It was never before saw your it. time.
0: Never saw it in my life. I've seen shows before my time, but I've never seen that one.
1: Why not? Why? Why wouldn't you give Hill Street Blues a chance? Honestly, yes, honestly.
0: The name sounds pretty dumb. How so? I don't know. Referring to police officers "blues" just seems kind of dumb.
1: But isn't it kind of a punning?
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's funny because it's also
1: that they have sadness. Listen,
0: I, I I got it. It can be sad, Uh, but it just seemed it just seems kind of cheesy.
1: What about the fiery romance between Daniel J Travanti is Frank Ferrillo, and uh, Veronica Ham Hamill is Joyce Davenport? Pretty spicy <laughs> stuff back in the eighties. <laughs> <laughs> See, he was the police captain. And she was the public defender, oh. and they were having a secret affair. Uh-oh. Many a... an episode ended with them in uh, amorous embrace.
0: Now, as a as a officer of the court yourself, how does that how does that tryst make you feel now?
1: Makes me a little uncomfortable.
0: That's pretty pretty bad.
1: And if I remember right, to bring it back to what we we're ostensibly discussing, mm-hmm. uh, Michael Conrad died during the series run I think they killed him off by saying he died when he was in bed with a woman Jesus
0: Inflagrante
1: You think that's how I'll die? (laughs) Sorry
0: For the record I'm just staring at him right now I guess there's your answer with that (laughs) (laughs) Uh, in a, in a totally other, uh, in a totally opposite direction, I guess. Uh, who is this directed by?
1: It was directed by a a veteran director named Norman Tokar. So did
0: he do other gritty crime shows?
1: He did, uh, Leave It to Beaver, did The Cat from Outer Space, a lot of Disney stuff. (laughs) So this seemed like an odd thing to find him directing. But
0: actually that makes sense because there, there was a cat from outer space at the end of this episode. It was a weird scene to come down on the flying saucer and zap the bad guys. But I guess now that it was a crossover.
1: And also the big villain uh, revealed in the end, spoiler alert, was Eddie Haskell.
0: (laughs) So we see uh, Michael Conrad is a bad guy staying with a group of bad guys at a a cabin on the beach on Fire Island, which for those of you who are not familiar, Fire Island is sort of a resort destination on Long Island off of new york city it's kind of where people might go to like spend the summer but like a lot of those resort towns uh resort islands it can be pretty dead in the winter or at least back in the 50s it was
1: does it have any sort of reputation is it known for anything if people hear the name fire island does anything come to mind
0: what do you want to say kevin
1: (laughs) (laughs) i'm just curious i'm just this midwestern boy a bit naive (laughs) you're the big city girl is fire island known for anything
0: it's very LGBTQ friendly. Okay. And that that has, it has a reputation for that, which is good.
1: That's very good. Yeah. Did it have do you know if it had that reputation back in the 50s?
0: You know what? I actually don't know. I don't know much about Fire Island. I think I I have a vague recollection of being there as a a, a little girl. I, I think it was Fire I keep in mind it could have been Shelter Island or one of those other Long Island islands basically. But I think it was Fire Island. I think we went to some restaurant there, and they never served us, so we left abruptly.
1: Why didn't they serve you?
0: I don't know. Maybe it was just a badly run restaurant, or maybe we were impatient. I don't. I I just remember drinking cranberry juice and being like, "I can't wait for dinner." And then we were leaving. And I was like, "Fuck."
1: <laughs> that's awful. Did that sort of thing happened a lot. or was this a rare event.
0: No, I mean that was like the only time I can remember that happening. But uh, that's again. I don't want to disparage the fine restaurants of Fire Island. It might have been Shelter Island.
1: Never go to any restaurant on Fire Island if you have any respect for Avia. She's calling for a boycott.
0: No, no, not no such thing.
1: She's calling for us all to file a class action lawsuit. You
0: are out here wilding today. (laughs) I love it. So feisty! You're so fiery for fire Mm -hmm. island
1: i got it (laughs) the reason i didn't react was was it wasn't funny
0: (laughs) fuck you (laughs) so uh you know the premise though in this one is that uh basically a group of crooks are moonshining out in a, a cabin in a mostly abandoned fire island during the winter when no one's around um and it's it's basically the the four are an old dude who's familiar with moonshining his young like ward or something. They're not related, but he raised him, I guess. Some kind of uh, weird looking dude who's kind of the comic relief, and then uh, Conrad, Conrad as this kind of really grim, uh, gritty soldier who quote unquote could have died on a lot of islands, and has a big machine gun set up in this little shack, uh, ready to kill anybody who comes by asking questions. And then everything changed when the Fire Island attacked. <laughs> Because uh, a, a deer, a man who appears to be a deer poacher comes by and without asking any questions, without giving the comic relief guy a chance to dispel this man and, you know, kind of telling him to butt off the property, uh, Michael Conrad just opens fire and, and shoots him.
1: Shoots him down. And how do the, uh, how do his comrades react to Conrad.
0: Well, uh, and this is what I thought where, you know, I kind of dug this. Uh, The comic relief and the young guy are horrified and they don't want to be part of a murder. So, like, they're, like, upset about it and they're trying to, like, work out how they can maybe see if the guy's still alive and look around for him and perhaps provide aid if possible. And then the old guy is just, like, a total dick about it and it's just like, oh, that's the law of the jungle. And it's like, fuck you, old man. So... Uh, Yeah, that guy just was fucking annoying. They kept calling him Alky. It's like, is that a joke that he's a drunk or something? I don't even know. But, um, so the the divided ideas about what should be going on. I mean, it's pretty dumb if you're doing a moonshine operation and it's probably just a deer proacher. Probably not going to be someone who's going to come steal your shit, you know, to to shoot at him when he's not even necessarily close to your door. You're just going to bring the heat down on you. This seems like a fucking rookie move. But then again, so does so does setting up shop in fire island. What, I have a question. What, maybe I'm being dumb, but you know old crimes, Kevin. Why would you even be running moonshine in the 50s? Prohibition is over, man. Are these guys just not reading the news? Do they think it's still going on? They think they're still battling Elliot Ness or something?
1: Uh, you tell me, were, were there dry counties in New York?
0: I mean, there may have been been maybe i mean but, but I, I would but i
1: would think if you were in a dry county in upstate new york wouldn't you just like drive 20 minutes to a wet county
0: yes across states or to canada my, my thing is I, I don't see the thing is this is on long island right so they have they have the water they can they can get stuff to you by boat but at the same time if we're talking about dry counties i would expect the dry counties would be upstate new york Right. And that's not necessary. You know, maybe if you go up the Hudson, but then we're talking about a very intense logistics plan for a simple moonshining. I'm getting so upset about this. I'm hitting the fucking mic uh, for simple moonshining operation downstate. So, you know, on the one hand, I'll say this for this episode. I love the look of it. I love that they actually went to Fire Island in the winter. I know I'm just giving the producer who's bragging a lot of credit, but I, you know, it looks cool. It looks like different, you know, you feel like you're actually seeing a real place and um, it looks like a Long Island and I like Long Island. So I I really dug that aspect of it. Um, But the, and and, you know, and, and I like the low stakes, like this is just a simple moonshining operation, but you know, even though it's a low stakes criminal operation, People can get hurt if you bring a bunch of sociopaths in, and that's sort of what's happening here. Uh, so, I liked I liked this episode. I like I like Naked City. I definitely want to watch more by it. You know, more episodes also set in the city uh, of New York itself. But this was a good introduction.
1: Yeah, the guy who created it later created uh, a similar show called Route sixty six. Well, instead of a cop show, it was about two young guys traveling down Route sixty six, and one of the the actors who was the young, uh, one of the characters in that was portrayed by the young man actor in this, uh, Mr. Maharis. Ah,
0: that's wild.
1: Sterling Cellophant is the name of the person in question. <laughs> what the fuck?
0: <laughs> what a name.
1: Pretty cool name.
0: Sterling Cellophant. That's what, like, you'd name a dog or something.
1: <laughs> Sounds like a dog's name to Well, you, you know,
0: just like something wacky like that.
1: Now our dog which I named is Lanlin Q Smith. It's a perfectly respectable name for a young gentlewoman.
0: <laughs> oh she is a young gentlewoman of leisure. Good old Lanny. but uh, basically it turns out the twist is that uh, they did not those those uh, four brutes did not murder a deer poacher. Who'd they murder? They actually murdered a undercover treasury agent.
1: Oh my god. Yeah. What a twist.
0: What a twist. And here's the thing, he actually was able to crawl away, get to his boat and drive drive and sail the boat to uh the mainland of Long Island as and and died there. And the responding NYPD folks, I mean, I don't I guess they're not in Long Island. Maybe they're in Queens or something. I don't know where the fuck they are. I'm so bad at geography. I I know I kind of have a vague idea of where Long Island is or, or where Fire Island is, but I'm not exactly sure. But uh, either way, is it within the
1: jurisdiction of New York City.
0: No, it would be in the jurisdiction of uh, I either Nassau or Suffolk County. I would so why believe. were
1: the New York City cops coming?
0: Yeah, it seems like a pretty big jurisdictional infringement. I guess you could maybe make the argument that uh, whatever local PD called them in for help. Yeah, Fire Island is a part of Suffolk County.
1: So that that's that's a little confusing.
0: They're just they're just encroaching.
1: They're bigfooting their way in.
0: They're bigfooting their way in, and and, and well, now that's that a federal agent was killed, so maybe everyone wants a shot at uh, figuring out who did it, so they could get on the good side of the FBI or something, um, you know. But there was this great shot where this old NYPD guy in a big hat. Just staring longingly out at Fire Island (laughs) as the snow begins to fall, and I'm just like, I love this. It's so weirdly moody. It's just I like it's. It's not fascinating. It's not. It's not like it's not a fascinating mystery. It's not like amazing acting. It's just something about this really clicks together and works for me. I don't. I don't know if I entirely know what that is.
1: But you say this is a show you want to continue watching. Yeah,
0: I just there was something that felt authentic about it that I wouldn't. That I didn't really expect. A, a, a police procedural from the 1950s
1: to have. I, I've watched uh, maybe a dozen or more episodes. Some of them are great. Some of them aren't great, but it's always very cool to see vintage Manhattan, the sights, the feel of the city. It captures that in a way that few other things do.
0: Yeah. It's like you're seeing a little uh, look back in time that you know you cannot get if you're just watching something that was shot in a studio.
1: Right. Like, say, a dragnet. <sighs>
0: Dragnet. Dragnet looks like it was shot down a well.
1: <laughs> Dragnet looks like it was shot in your grandmother's basement.
0: Yeah, I feel like I could put on a more realistic thing than Dragnet sometimes. <laughs> it's like five rooms, five different rooms where they just switch out the potted plants. <laughs> Everyone looks really uncomfortable. I could do that.
1: <laughs> Sounds like one of our parties.
0: Yeah. are we I, You invite your friends, I invite my friends, and we just make them all recreate a Dragnet episode? (laughs) (laughs) That sounds about right. People are leaving. I'm never going to go to one of their fucking parties again. Yeah. If
1: people become Patreon sponsors. Maybe they can earn an invitation to one of our soirees. That just
0: sounds like a fucking nightmare.
1: <laughs> For everyone concerned. Because
0: every- you know, either you or me would start getting way too into it and be like yelling at people. Like, no, 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 no. You're- Say the line right, okay? <laughs> people are starting to sweat. It would turn into that uh, episode of Community where the dean is shooting a commercial. <laughs> Oh, I think it's important to note something about Michael Conrad in this. You know, he he kind of he gives a good creepy vibe as this kind of it's not a particularly interesting killer, but like you really feel like he does not care about killing and he just wants to kill. He's very aggressive and, and freaky. But you know what, you know what kind of undermines some of that uh some of that ominous vibe he's putting out there?
1: What's that, Anya?
0: His nickname is Hot Dog. <laughs> Oh no! Hot dog is coming to kill me. That just sounds like like somebody's dachshund got out of control or something. It's just dumb. And they're all like, "Oh yeah, hot dog. Is a, don't don't let hot dog scare you." And it's just like, this is ruining it.
1: Sounds like the name of a character in Greece.
0: Yeah, like the goofy greaser in Greece or something.
1: The best racer in Greece. Oh, yeah. hot dog.
0: Oh, hot dog. You know he doesn't look like much, but he can drive. I mean, ugh, this. this This guy deserved a better name. Um, But anyway, Old Alki, you know, goes on some weird, weird uh, moral relativism rant where he's talking about how no one should judge Hot Dog for killing the deer poacher because Hot Dog's not really a person. He's more like a bolt of lightning or an act of God. Kind of
1: like Galactus.
0: Yeah, of course. Just, <laughs> just like Galactus, we all know what he's all about. Mm? Yeah,
1: Who, Go on. who's Galactus? In in Marvel Comics, Galactus is a character that uh, destroys worlds, and I believe the Watcher suggests that he's just like an, an active god, an act of nature. Uh. You shouldn't judge him.
0: So I guess uh, your Marvel boys ripped off a lot from this one episode of Naked City. <laughs> Was Galactus's nickname Hot Dog?
1: <laughs> Hot Dog was the name of Jughead's dog.
0: Oh my god!
1: So a lot of comic stuff was came from this episode.
0: They had a magical episode, uh, or magical issue of uh, the Archie comics. Somehow Hot Dog got turned to you know a human, and then he became a vicious killer. <laughs> That's probably what happened here,
1: right? Now, wasn't there an issue where hot dog becomes a human and like dates Big Ethel?
0: Well, apparently that went pretty badly because now he's a hitman. <laughs> <laughs> and it sounds like he maybe fought in a war. <laughs> hot dog got drafted into the military. He couldn't give the dog excuse, and then things went bad from there.
1: Poor what a poor dog. He's a good boy though.
0: I don't think this was the same hot dog. Don't worry, Kevin. Don't feel sad. They're different hot dogs. Nothing bad happened to your hot dog. That sounded, <laughs> Jesus. That, that sounded really weird. It's I meant you're my wife. I meant the Jughead's so so dog. Know.
1: You know my <laughs> hot dog better than anyone.
0: I meant Jughead's dog. Jesus. God damn it. Uh, uh.
1: <laughs> Get you a little bit private. You just say anything.
0: You're, like, crossing your legs now. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I didn't mean that like that. You said it! I didn't mean it to be that way. Jesus, this fucking... Naked City's getting a little too crazy here. A little too racy. I know. A little too steamy. <laughs> uh, anyways, so we were coming to our big climax. And tensions have been... Oh, shut the fuck
1: up! <laughs> I didn't <just laughs> say a word! You're smirking at me over there.
0: <laughs> Tensions have been building up between the moonshiners. So you have a bunch of <laughs> cops who are all, to be very clear, dressed in big fancy hats and fancy like long coats or trench coats crawling through the sand. It's <laughs> very cold. Apparently it was very cold, according to the producer. Uh, and uh, they uh, surround the house. And uh, uh, a, a standoff ensues. Uh, at this point, uh, the younger man has run out of the house to go look for the deer poacher. He thinks maybe the guy's still out there and they can at least bury him. Or if he's alive, maybe he can subtly take him to shore to get help. Um, and, uh, while he's on that, uh, futile mission, uh, basically the police come in guns blazing. And, uh, instead of coming out, the hot dog ends up, uh, shooting at them with the machine gun.
1: That doesn't end well, does it?
0: I, I, as you can imagine, that does not end well. Uh, basically, Hot Dog kills the comic relief dude. Uh, I think Alki kills Hot Dog. There's some, they're all, you know, they all turn on each other. Uh, everybody ends up dead, including Alki, except for the young guy, even though he does get shot, I believe. In the process of trying to talk Hot Dog down from doing things. And so uh, then he cradles Alki and weeps and the cops come in and are like, all right, well, we busted the Moonshiners.
1: <laughs> Great job, everybody. Great
0: job. Five people dead.
1: <laughs> the Ballad of Hot Dog. Do you have any sympathy for Hot Dog? He was in the war. Maybe the, the war turned him into the killer he became.
0: Maybe. We'll never know.
1: You're not going to do any hot dog fan fiction?
0: No. <laughs> Believe it or not, I'm going to refrain. I'm going to have some self-respect for once. I just wish one of the cops to come in and been like, looks like this hot dog got burned. <laughs> looks like someone put too much ketchup on old hot dog. The ketchup being the blood.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think we all got that out <laughs> you.
0: Uh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) This is kind of a sad story. It didn't really like, it wasn't, it it wasn't that interesting, but I I dug the, I dug the episode for some reason. You really loved it. I, I think it's hard to explain why it's, it's again, it's not incredible acting. It's not incredible storytelling, but I think just being, feeling like you're actually seeing something as opposed to just like you're seeing the cardboard facsimile of something, I guess is, is just unusual for this time period.
1: Yeah, the location shooting, the great production values. Uh, this was a season one episode. I, I think I prefer the later episodes with a different actor as the uh, main police detective.
0: And there, I feel like there is there is a certain subtlety to this where, like, you know, it's not, all, not, it's not a gang of four sociopaths. Like, they all have their different agendas and feelings about things, and they're kind of undermining each other at different turns. And uh, the police are sort of trying to figure things out. It's not... It's a little, it's a little, it's kind of a quiet little episode, but I I appreciated it.
1: It had dignity.
0: It had, it had dignity. Like the shot of the investigator looking off at Fire Island with the snow falling around him. There was some quiet beauty about that. And I I really appreciated it.
1: I also felt there was a lot of dignity to the cat from outer space.
0: (laughs) A lot of quiet dignity. The way the old cat would look around with snow falling (laughs) up at the stars. Quiet Beauty. (laughs) I've never seen that. Was it a show or like a movie?
1: It was a movie. At least that was his last credit.
0: I've seen a bunch of those weird Disney movies, but I never saw that one. Why not? I don't know. What were you doing? I uh, had my head in the clouds, just like the cat. (laughs) (laughs) I saw that darn cat. I saw the computer wore tennis shoes. I saw all the Shaggy Dog movies. Never saw a cat from outer space.
1: Did you see the apple dumpling gang?
0: I did. I did not.
1: No, I know you had to have seen where the red fern grows. Yeah, I've seen that. He directed that.
0: We watched that in school
1: for some reason. Why would they do that I to I don't you? know. It was very upsetting. A dog dies in that. I think two do. Did you see the boat nicks? That's another Norman Tokar classic. Nope. The horse in the gray flannel suit. No. Are you just
0: making these up?
1: Big Red? No. McGarry and his Mouse.
0: <laughs> no.
1: Those Whiting Girls.
0: Those Whitey Girls.
1: Uh, It's Always Jan. No. Life with Luigi.
0: Is that like a Mario Brothers spinoff?
1: Young Mr. Bobbin.
0: You're making <laughs> things up now.
1: No, I'm not. I'm looking at the man's filmography.
0: Saw none of those.
1: What were you doing with yourself? I
0: don't know. No.
1: When I was a boy, the whole country was young Mr. Bobbin crazy.
0: <laughs> you're getting so enthusiastic, you're hitting your mic.
1: I think we need to wrap this up so we can go watch some young Mr. Bobbin.
0: I think so. I think you're right. <laughs> I want to see what this man can do. All right, so... My take is that this episode didn't really set the world on fire, but Naked City's bare-bones storytelling proves that less can be more.
1: Thanks for listening this week. I'd like to give a special thanks to Kevin T. Greenley, who's no relation to me. He's the guy that composed the great music for this podcast, and you can find him on the web at kevintg.com.
0: You can follow us on Twitter at mystery to me that's mystery underscore two underscore me underscore and at mystery to me podcast on facebook and instagram
1: and you can always send us recommendations and feedback of any kind at mystery to me podcast at gmail.com
0: we're not teens setting up hotmail accounts in the early 2000s so all of those spell out two as t-o
1: thanks, thanks so much, much for listening,
0: listening.